right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is a real estate mogul and, as I said before, a beautiful soul. She's here tonight to help you get your asses off the fence of home buying and to teach you a few techniques that should ease your buying congestion. And guess what, guys? She's in the talk of the town right now. Welcome, Claudia Charles. Hey, how are you? Listen, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this is going to be a great show tonight. We got a lot of great guests. Thank y'all for booking I these see, people. I see. I'm glad to be doing? here. Thanks for having me. I'm doing uh, good. I'm doing good. Can't complain. I'm not going to be at the focus with all the smiling you're doing. I'm not going to be at the focus. I I'm smile not. a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I now, smile I a lot. story about you. You're from Haiti, correct? Yes and no. So my parents are Haitian. Um, okay. So I'm first generation here in America. So You're first generation in America. And so your, your parents came over to America how long ago? Um, they came over in the late 70s. Well, my dad came in the late 70s and 78. And then my mom came in 1980. All right. And how did you get into real estate? I, I love hearing real estate agents and yeah, I love hearing their stories because they all have unique stories of how they got started. How did you get started with real estate? Oh, God. I don't know if I really should. You want, you want the truth or you want what sounds good? No, we only tell the truth here. <laughs> I don't know if you want to hear the truth now. Um, we want to hear all you know, your truth. Spill it. Spill all your tea. Years ago? I'm going to preface this by saying years ago, like 15, uh -huh. 16 years ago. Okay. I remember. I remember watching a Donald Trump interview, <laughs> 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 and okay. he was talking, and he had just written like some book or something. Well, he didn't write it; someone else wrote it. But it was about him and about how he created this huge fortune of wealth for himself from selling real estate. And I'm like, I could do that, you know. So back then, I went to real estate school in Boston, where I'm from, and so I went there. It was like a weekend class because it's like so much easier there than it is here in North Carolina. So I did the weekend class and then that went great. Finished the weekend class. And I started studying. And then while I started studying for that, I don't know what the heck happened. But I was like, you know, if I could study for this, I could study for nursing school. I don't even know where that thought came from. And then I ended up studying for nursing school, finding a school in North Carolina. It accepted me. So I moved here to North Carolina and then like literally... 10 years later, here I am doing real estate. So wow, it, it's like, yeah, two years ago, I was driving by a billboard on the way to bringing my kids to school. And I kept seeing billboard after billboard after billboard from this real estate agent named Mark Spain. And I remember I called my real estate agent that sold me my house 10 years ago. And I was like, you know, Pat, is it, can you really sell a house in 30 days? And she's from New York, so I'm gonna do her New York accent. She was like, "Yeah, Claudia, you can you can sell a house in 30 days." And I was like, "I'm gonna go to school then." And she's like, "Oh God, what are you gonna do?" I was like, "I'm gonna go to real estate school." And I swear, like two weekends later, I was in real estate school, and that was it. And here wow. I am. Yeah, I'm two years in, and um, March of 2021, I'll be three years in. Okay. Yep. So, so, so I don't want to I don't want to shout out to Donald Trump, but you. <laughs> what i'm saying <laughs> so, so him being a businessman he inspired you to move in a direction 
in a sense. Before that, we knew how crazy he was, yes. Yeah, none of that matters. Well, before I knew anything, I was innocent. I didn't do it. <laughs> before I knew any better. You know, yes. People will come for you. Exactly. They're going to be like, did you hear about the black real estate agent that said she was inspired by Donald Trump? Is she dumb? I promise y'all it was before when none of us oh. knew. None of oh. us knew. It was back when he was just named the Donald. <laughs> exactly. When he had the towers and he was cool and, you know, yeah, I didn't know any better. But All I right. know now. <laughs> so you have... Mm -hmm. You have coined something that's called how to master the seven step sale technique. Mm -hmm. Now, yep. before we get into that, it's a few mm -hmm. things I read about that you talk about um, self-discipline. Gotta have it. So, so what is self-discipline to you? Something I still have not mastered. That's the oh, truth, right? Really? Yeah, if I had if I had discipline, I'd be a beast. So what, what are you not what would you say you're not disciplined in right now? So okay. So what a question. <laughs> what a question. What am I not doing that I should be doing? Well, mm. all right. So I go through like these cycles. So sometimes I can work from six o'clock in the morning till ten o'clock at night. And then Two days later, I'll get up and be in my office at 10 a.m. And then I'll get off at three. You know, it's like that consistency of like every single day getting up at five o'clock in the morning, you know, whether you pray, meditate, scroll through IG, do it for 30 minutes, then get up out of the bed, make my bed. If I can make my bed, I'd be winning. <laughs> make my bed. Because people say if you make your bed, you won't go back to bed for the rest of the day. So if I do that, I'd be a step ahead because I'd be in my bed working, doing stuff <laughs> in my bed. Now, so are you productive when you're in your bed? Oh, well, yeah, I am. I mean, I am, but really, should you be in bed working, doing really serious, serious work? I have a whole, this, I'm in my office right now, but I have an office downstairs. I mean, it can't get any better than that. It's just like, I got it. I should get up at five, waste my time for 30 minutes doing whatever, <laughs> then leave my bed, make my bed, get ready for work and go downstairs and eat breakfast and then wake my kids up for school at seven o'clock. Cause you know, of course they're at home right now doing school. So I should wake my kids up at seven o'clock like a great mom and make sure <laughs> they eat and give them breakfast and then set them on their day at on zoom. And then I should start working by eight o'clock, but I don't you do anything. You don't do that? None. Mm -mm. So your kids no. be at home? No, 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 no. My kids are really efficient. So that's one thing I can say is I did train my children very efficiently. They get up by themselves, no alarm clocks needed. Like they get up before they're supposed to get up. They get ready for school. They, they're self-starters. But I'm like, did you eat breakfast? Yes, mm. no, okay. And I'm still in bed working or doing something like, you know, um, so just that consistency, if I had more consistency and just, cause I know what I'm supposed to do. I've written down what I'm supposed to do. I mean, no one can say, I don't know what to do. I know exactly what to do to be more productive, more successful, but it's just about the discipline. So I'm really, really working now towards creating more structure for myself so that I can literally do exactly what I know I'm supposed to do. So I'm trying. 
I'm trying. Okay. I mean, you know, discipline is going to come when we decide. People think sometimes it's difficult to do things. Oh, that's hard. It's the not. The hard thing is just you have to decide first. Once yeah. you decide. And it, I decide to place. scroll on Instagram longer than I should. Huh. <laughs> I decide to watch funny videos and <laughs> and yeah, do unproductive things. I, I, so, I do. I do. What, what you be looking at on Instagram? I love comedy, so I'm always looking at some type of funny thing. Like it got so bad that my assistant, she said to me, "I know you're awake when you <laughs> when I wake up, and I know you sent me funny stuff on Instagram." <laughs> and I thought to myself, "My God, every single morning, like I'm up at five o'clock, like I'm supposed to, but then I'm up at five o'clock, sending my assistant memes and like funny videos. So that's not really good." All right, so 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 you have some advice for serial entrepreneurs. And one of the things I liked about what you said was keep trying new businesses. Don't just start them and stop them, set goals and then achieve those goals. How difficult yeah. is that? Because you got to think like we're dealing with a, a issue in our country right now that we haven't really dealt with before. And a lot of people may be depressed. You know, they may not have that that urge because they feel like I'm trying a lot of things. Nothing mm -hmm. seems to be working. And so it's not that I don't want to do things. I just don't know what to do because nothing seems to seems to be working. And that's the thing. I like that you say seems to be working. So I'm like a made. I love entrepreneurial like anything, anything someone comes to me with that's entrepreneurial. Like I'm like, oh, I'm there because I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. My dad's a jeweler. He's been a jeweler since he was 14. So he's at his 51st year as a jeweler now. And then my both my grandfathers are entrepreneurs. So to me, there's everything does work, right? Everything works if you plan it out. So for instance, back in February, when the, the, when the country started to kind of have a lot of cases, I remember a friend of mine, she called me and she was like, Claudia, do you, you sew? And I'm like, yeah, I sew. She's like, you have a sewing machine, right? I'm like, yes, I have a sewing machine. And she's like, why don't you start selling masks? And I remember I was like at this store picking up some stuff and I called my mom and I'm like, hey, one of my clients called me and said, you know, I should make masks. And I'm like, so she's like, what are you gonna do? I'm like, I'm gonna go buy fabric, I'm gonna make masks. <laughs> and I had no plan per se, but I remember when I was like driving there, standing there waiting for you to cut the fabric, I was saying to my mom, I'm like, how much should I charge? And she's like, maybe like $5. And I'm like, that's fine. I'll do it for five. Mm -hmm. And we sold, we sold $7,000 worth of masks in a month. Okay? Wow. <laughs> yeah. But, but I was up at five o'clock in the morning sewing. My assistant, who's 100% for real estate, was awesome. She went 100% towards the mask stuff. So mm. she was cutting the um, fabric for me and I was just sewing and sewing, I mean, until midnight. And I would, and some nights there was, we had like an order of, I think it was like a hundred that I had to mm. get done and I couldn't, it was 200 and I couldn't sleep. So I was like up around the clock sewing and sewing and sewing. So, you know, things work. You just have to put the work in. Um, one time I went to, I was making Haitian liquor. We have like a liquor that we make for the holidays. So <laughs> no, no, no. It's like a like a coconut cream base. So it's like a kind of like a pina colada, but not quite. Okay. And I remember I said to my mom, I'm like, I'm going to make climas. It's called climas. 
I said to my mom, I'm gonna make climas. And she started laughing and she's like, of course you are. Cause like no one taught me how to make it. So I go online, look up the recipe and I make it, right? And um, I remember I was pregnant with my second child and I was just, my mom's like, how are you gonna sell it? I was like, I don't know, but I'm gonna figure it out. So I, I called on my dad's friends and I was like, hey, I have climas, do you want some? You know, and they were buying, it, it was $20 a bottle. So I sold that all out. But still, it's like I had to take the initiative. I had to figure out how I'm going to get this liquor in front of who was going to buy it. One time I sold candles. I, I went to Hobby Lobby, bought a candle making machine, started making candles and putting them in really pretty like martini glasses and wine glasses. And there was a flea market that I got a spot in for that one day, one week. And I just wanted to try it. I just wanted mm -hmm. to see what the plan was. Right. And so I went there and the first like, 30 minutes, people were walking by, they would smell them, they loved them, but nobody bought one. And so finally this lady walked by and I was like, can I ask you a question? And um, I was like, how much would you pay for this? And she was like, $5. And I was like, that's the price, you know, <laughs> $5. I sold all the candles, <laughs> like literally, I sold out of all my candles before I was even done. So as an entrepreneur, just with those few examples, um, I had to be flexible mm -hmm. and you have to scale your business because I see a lot of people say, Oh, you're worth, you know, that time on the sewing machine, you're worth that time when you wake up in the morning and blah, 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 blah. blah. And I always tell people for me, it's about volume mm -hmm. because if I put on, if I put in all that time, what good is it if nobody wants to buy my product because it's overpriced? Right. So right. because of that, you have to be flexible. You have to know when to like change what is not working to make it work. And my goal was to sell out on the masks. I did that. To sell out on the candles. I did that. To sell out on the liquor. I did that. You know, those were my goals. So once I hit those goals and I learned things to apply for later on in life for the next entrepreneurial endeavor, you know, I, I continued and continued and here I am now in real estate. And I think that makes me better than a lot of the other agents that, I, that I've sat in the same office with, competed for listings on, you know, mm -hmm. all those different things. My clients walk away with really amazing customer service experiences, experiences that they can tell their friends that are gonna bring, bring me more business. So it's the same thing. Every single transaction that I do, I treat it like it's an entrepreneurial endeavor. Like this one person sale, I'm gonna treat it like it's one sale. My goal is to sell it and to have a great customer experience. And then that's gonna help me learn for the next person and the next person. So I think that as an entrepreneur, I tell people all the time, I see people turning their wheels, trying one thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, I'm not into the whole do seven things at once type of person, but I do believe that as you start to grow and grow and grow as an entrepreneur, then you can take on a bigger responsibility. And that's you've learned from that. That's true. So I I guess we're talking to Claudia Charles. How, how did how, that's that's a cool name to have, Claudia Charles. Two two C's. All right, Claudia, hang around. We're gonna we gotta take a quick <laughs> break. When we come back, we're talking more with Claudia. We'll be right back. It's off the fence. I'm Finch. All right, guys, it's off the fence with Finch. You're listening to it right now on iHeartRadio. I'm here with Claudia Charles. Now, Claudia, where where are you you from? You said you're from Boston, but where do you live now? I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Get out of here. I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina for 12 years. No way. Yeah. Well, yes. Wait, Where, why you you it's, a, it's a wonderful city. Yes, it is. How long have you been there? I've been here now for 11 years. Oh, wow. 11 years. 
Okay, now yeah. what made you do the show? So right, so right when you were leaving, I was coming in. <laughs> Wait a minute. When did you come in? What year did you come in? I came here in 2009. Oh, yeah, I was already gone. See? I, I left in 2008. See? Right yeah. there. Look at that. I could have sold you a house. I could have sold you a house. You could have. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Lake Park. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a good area. It's a nice area. Real safe. You know, uh, I, it was several times I left home and left my garage door open, door to lead in my house unlocked. Nobody came in. <laughs> I've, I've done that. When I first, first bought this house, I remember it was, I was new to the whole garage door opener thing and I left my door and my garage open and yeah, it, nothing happened. But yeah. you know, I, I will never hopefully do that again. But I've done it a few times more than I'd like to admit, actually. <laughs> and Charlotte is a growing city right now. They're, they're growing leaps and bounds uh, with a lot of things happening um, in that city. So yeah, mm -hmm. I love the city. I, I don't know if I would live there again though, but you know. Where do you live now? Los Angeles. Ugh. Ooh, wait a minute. I used to live in I used to live in L.A. and I. See, look at you. You shouldn't have left. <laughs> well, no, I definitely, sh I should have never went. But I went there because I went to FIDM um, okay. on South, yeah, on South Grand. So yeah. it was great. I loved the program. I just hated the city. Too it's overpriced. And sorry. That's the hood. <laughs> all right. So, it, so you, you all the hood, actually. Yeah, well. <laughs> Welcome to LA, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome Absolutely. to LA. Absolutely. So you, you also talk about being solution oriented. Now, again, I say this all the time. People look at people who are in a certain position in life and they say, well, it's easy to tell people what to do when you're doing better than them, right? So, and, and sometimes it's not that people don't want to do it. It's just that they don't know. And I think oftentimes yeah. when it comes to people who give advice, um, they give advice. They tell you you should be doing this, but they don't tell you they don't give you some steps on how you get started, because that's one of the reasons why we created this show. So mm -hmm. many people are on the fence about a host of things in life. Yeah. And our job here every week is to give people information to help them get off the fence. So when we talk about being solution oriented, how does people, how would you suggest people create solutions when they, when their mind is bought? Like right now, I talked about this last week on this show when we was talking about uh, a, a host of uh, finances. Last week we was talking about finances. Yeah. People, a lot, uh, a great deal of Americans right now, millions <laughs> of Americans are out of work. Their unemployment has run out. They have no idea how they're going to make ends meet this month, next month, the month after. And the crazy part about it is those few jobs or the few places that are hiring, you got an influx of people applying and so, a host of them are more qualified than others. So how would you suggest someone create solutions for being stuck in an area of where they are in life right now? So I would say this, honestly. Um, Right now, 2020 has been really hard on a lot of people for different reasons, right? And there's so much going on. And I was just saying to my sister just today, I said, you know, people feel really good this year about blaming a lot of things on 2020. 
Right. And typically that energy is returned. Like if you say this didn't happen because of 2020, you know, people will turn around and they'll say like, oh, yeah, I agree. You know, so there's a few things that have to happen behind the scenes before you can be solution oriented. So my brother-in-law, this year we were making our vision boards and he wrote down that he is a decision taker. And I remember when he said that, it just like clicked with me. I'm like, oh my God, that's such a good, like, I like that, right? Mm -hmm. Not a good decision maker, but a good decision taker. Because you can make a good decision, but you have to apply the action behind Mm -hmm. it, right? So whether it's being solution oriented, it's almost literally training yourself to not complain because complaining is the opposite of solution oriented. It's like you're a complainer. You just, you want to be stuck in the mud, right? You have to get to a point where you really do that work within yourself and say, why have I not been productive this year? Mm. Right. And then you have to start to create solutions right now, not for 2021, but for right now and say, I'm going to get up at five o'clock and I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this. And if you have to create solutions around supporting those things that you're trying to work towards, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a diet. If I say, hey, I need to lose weight. And then I go online or I get a book and I find a diet plan. Now I have to go out and food shop, right? So I found mm-hmm. the solution and now I'm taking the action. I'm buying the food. And then after that, I'll prepare the food. I might have to food prep the night before or whatever so that I can stay on track. Those are the things that make you solution oriented. It's not just, you can complain for one second. That's natural. If I say, oh my God, I need to lose weight. I might complain. But then everything after that has to be helping find a solution to what that complaint is. You get what I'm saying? I got it. I yeah. got it. So it's, you got to take the actions. So, so, so you have to take actions and it doesn't... You look at it, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. No. You got to do something, right? Because, and you have to also understand, like, I, I, I'm raised 100% by an immigrant community. Okay. So we're from Haiti, and Haiti is, you know, a poorer country. Mm-hmm. So when my parents came to America, my mom didn't know English. You know, my dad didn't know English. I remember in the first grade, my mom would use my spelling books to learn how to spell and learn how to write. And that was me in the first grade. So in the second grade, she went to go on to work at this group home and she was just working at the group home and she was so happy the day she got that job. Like she fell to her knees. She was like praying and thanking God. Like she was so, so happy. And mind you, I was in the second grade. Okay. Mm-hmm. And here we are right now, year to today, right now, my mom is a manager at that same exact company. And she's been awarded so many things in her time there. So for me, like excuses are okay. I get it. We hit rough spots. Things happen. The recession happened. Like, you know, a lot of things have happened in our lifetime, but you have to get to a point where you realize there are things you still can control and the things that you can control, you control them. And the things that you can't, you can't. My mom didn't know how to spell. She didn't know how to read. She could have said, you know what, let me do a job where I don't have to speak to anybody, where I don't have to learn how to read. You know, but my mom challenged herself and I watched her challenge herself. My dad was a jeweler at the age of 14. His father was dead. He had four siblings. He was the oldest and he left home and he dropped out of school at 14 and said, I'm going to become a jeweler. And when he walked into the jewelry store, not knowing anything, the guy was like, where's your parents? So then he goes and takes a good friend of his that was older and said, act like you're my dad. So Mm -hmm. he goes into the store 
The man says, okay, go ahead and make jewelry. And he was like, okay, what do you want me to do? So the guy gave him a spoon and said, make a ring out of it. My dad, make the, he made the ring. And then the guy said, okay, you made this ring? He said, yep, yeah, I watched you make the ring, cool. He took the ring, melted it down into back into like a piece of bar. And then he told him, make the exact same ring again and I'll give you the job. My dad made the exact same ring again. He's 14 years old. The same wow. 14 years old that all of us were at one point in our lives, we're all 14. So you have to know what you're doing with your life and know how much control you can have. My dad could have stopped and said, oh, my dad is dead. You know, I don't have this. I have, you know, I have four siblings and my mother, this and that. My dad didn't make excuses. He didn't feel sorry for himself. My dad instantly took action, made a decision, got his friend, came back. He made that, he made all those, all those steps, I guess, based off of what he wanted. Mm -hmm. He created those solutions to get him to what his goal was. His goal was to become a jeweler, you know? 14 years old. Can you imagine being 14 years old? Your dad died. You know, my dad was, well, my grandfather was, you know, the the entrepreneur, the breadwinner. He was the one taking care of everybody. And in mm -hmm. Haiti, there's not public school. There's not WIC and food stamps and all these different programs that are subsidized. It's either you have it or you don't. Wow. And my grandfather was doing a lot. He was the one that was farming and agriculture, both of them. So he he's supplying food to his family. And my son, and here's my dad at 14. My son is 14. I couldn't imagine my son right now right. getting up and like, I'm dropping out of school <laughs> and I'm going to go become a jeweler. I'd be like, that's great. Go back to school. You know, that wouldn't happen. But my dad had all the right moments in his life at that time to do what he did. And here he is. He came to America first and he came to America. And from day one, my dad came to America. He was doing jewelry. My dad's still doing jewelry. And he brought all his siblings here to America. He brought my mom, he brought my brother, because my oldest brother was born there. And then we, I was born, we had a house. You know, we went to private schools. We had a very, very comfortable life. So I saw that with my dad's made that one decision when he was 14 years old, and that decision is paying off every single solitary day in my life and in my children's lives. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I, it's not that I don't sympathize. I just, you can't stay stuck in a place where you're comfortable with the excuses that you use to clothe yourself for failure. You just got to get up and say, okay, I failed at this today. I'm going to get up and go do this tomorrow. I was married. I got a divorce. I remember the day that me and my husband separated, he got back up. He went straight back to Boston. He packed all his stuff, went to Boston. It was a Saturday. I was still in school online. My daughter was only one years old. I was at work on Monday. And everyone was like, you're going to work? Yes, I'm going to work. Because that's how I have to pay my bills. I'm going to work. And I went to work. I found someone, a nanny that came here to stay with my kids, and I went to work. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't this and that. I have no family here in North Carolina. My family oh, wow. just, just moved here last year in October. So I've been here by myself with three children. And now my kids are eight, nine, and 14. So this was for the last five years. So they were three, four, and I guess nine or something at the time saying, I'm sitting here doing this by myself. So everyone would look at me like, well, I'm not as strong as you. I'm not as this and not as you. And I'm like, and I'm the type of friend that I'm not going to just preach to you. I'm not going to just boss you around or make you feel like a failure. I'm going to say, if these are your goals, I'm going to hold your hand the whole entire way there until you get to your goal. So I'm fair at that. Like I will, I will, I will drag my friends kicking and screaming to their goals as long as I know them. I think it's just as important for them to hold me accountable. So I have those very real and honest relationships around me, even if it's from a distance, like, they, you know, they might live in Georgia, they might live in New York, they might live mm. in Boston, 
but I have people that they're there for me and they know what my dreams and my goals are and they hold me accountable. You know, my assistant, sometimes she'll be like, Claudia, you need to eat. <laughs> you know, you haven't ate all day. So I'll stop and I'll say, you know, you're right. And I'll stop and I'll eat. You know, it's just like, you have to be able to have the right environment, whether, and if you don't have it, you have YouTube, you have books that you can read. You have people on Instagram you can follow that can feed you every day, the type of environment, the type of advice that you need. It doesn't have to be someone who's physically sitting in front of you or laying in bed next to you every single night. You can push yourself where you're at right now. We are, yes, we're all stuck in the house, but when was the last time you read a book? You know, a book to help you progress in life or a book to help you make better decisions. Or if you feel like you're, uh, you know, you're not as good as a parent as you thought you were, there's books out there for that. You know, there's so much we can do for ourselves and so much that's in our control that I feel like whether you're an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. whether you're an employed, you know, a, an employed person, a salaried person, everybody has decisions that they can make every single day of their life. And once you realize that you're in charge of your life and how you react to it, then you start to make better decisions. And once you do that, you'll live a better life and you'll make better decisions and you'll reach your goals, whatever they are. Get off the fence. <laughs> get off the fence. Get off the fence. Get off the fence. I've made a lot of get off the fence decisions in my life. And I promise you, I tell my friends all the time, I cannot be happier. I've, I, I, I literally tell people all the time because they're like, well, what about this? Not What about, do you feel bad about your divorce? And I'm like, no, I don't. Like, Who's it was a was decision. It? Hmm? Say it again. Who was it? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm to start It's about it. happiness. It's about happiness. If someone's not Who's happy, you got to let them go. You got to let them go. You'll be happier too. I promise. <laughs> but those are things that people have to get off the fence about, you know, like it's, it's the small decisions first that you have to make first about getting off the fence about the small things. Yeah. Right. And then those things will lead you to the bigger things. I promise you, I couldn't make the decisions I make today right now to push me forward. If I didn't make a lot of small ones, like leaving LA for instance, <laughs> Best decision I made in 2004. I'm just saying. Maybe in 2004, it was the best decision you made. I maybe. think I'd probably make it again in 2020 and every year after that. You couldn't pay me to live in LA. You couldn't pay me to live in California. It's just. Okay. It's, it's just I mean, you know, outside of the expenses here in California, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful place. What about Christmas? My well, one of my classmates, she goes rollerblading with her dad every Christmas. That's not natural to me. I need snow or some you, cold. You can't do Christmas like that here. Yeah, that's yeah, that's mm -mm, that makes me sad. <laughs> I, I would have sad children. We love Christmas. Okay, I would have. I probably have to buy fake snow or something and put it on my lawn. Uh, It'd be weird. <laughs> now, now, two things I'm gonna say about fourteen before we get out of here. One, number one, uh -huh. everybody in 14, everybody has been 14. Yep. <laughs> everybody doesn't have the same mindset your father had at 14. No. Um, and I think to environments and upbringings, I say this all the time when it comes to parenting. Um, you know, our parents are responsible for teaching us certain things about life. And if nobody taught them, they can't teach us. And so then you have to learn in a different environment 
uh, or another way. You know, a lot of what I know today, my parents didn't teach me. So, yeah. you know, you, you have to be apt to adjust and adapt and to learn. And I saw something you said about reading, reading. I, you know, I do a lot of reading. I've always done a lot of reading because that's how you learn things. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a book. It could be something online. You know, but when you want to learn something and you want to get ahead and succeed, you have to equip yourself with the knowledge. People say, well, knowledge is power. Nope, only applied knowledge is power. Exactly. You can have a whole toolbox full of tools you need, but if you never open that toolbox to use them, those tools are useless to you. Exactly, and all you'll do is tell people how you have all the tools. I got that yeah. tool. Yeah, yeah, I got that tool too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got that tool. And guess what's gonna happen? No one's gonna listen to you anymore because they're gonna be like, he got a lot of tools, but I ain't seen him build nothing. <laughs> nothing, nothing. <laughs> Secondly, 14, you don't look like you have a 14-year-old son. You look like you barely in your 20s. Thank you. Yeah, I have a boy. <laughs> thank you, thank you. My son's smaller than me. It's like, and, he, and he's actually, <laughs> my son's in early engineering already. So when I tell people that, they're like, how old are, how old are you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm only 34. But oh. I had him when I was 20. Yeah. Yo, 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 yo. You're in the mix. The world's finest, man. DJ. Now. I have the radio on the telly. You're in the mix, Lord. All of the 